Hey everybody, this is Regina and you're listening to Chemo Glow. Where the glow doesn't define me, I define the glow. I am so excited today because today is my birthday. I have been talking about putting out this podcast forever. I recorded my first episode on April 19th, what happened to be my eighth year since my diagnosis. And I've been putting it off, putting it off, having other people listen to it. And finally I said, let's just put it out there. So here's my first episode. I hope you enjoy it. again in 2013 because I was having a moment because looking in the mirror was so devastating to me, you know, and um, everyone always says, you look good when you know (laughs) that you got this glow about you. You know, you can be diagnosed with cancer and nobody knows, but when that chemo starts to creep in and that hair falls out and the eyebrows start to say, peekaboo, I'm gone. And them lips get dry and just turn dry from inside out. And you have this glow about you. There's nothing cool about the chemo glow. But apparently the poisons, you know, the poisons are working. So I'll take that. But before I had all of this going on, before the chemo glow was my new thing. Guys, I had like the fairy tale going on. Um. Let's see. I met my now husband at a wedding in Hawaii. 
in 2008, Hawaii. I had to fly to go to Hawaii for someone to meet me. And I didn't like him as, at first. <laughs> like, I was so tired because I wasn't supposed to even be at this wedding because my sister was getting married the day before. And I didn't know if I could make a wedding in one city and then fly all the way to Hawaii. But my girlfriend and I was like, let's go. And plus, it was my boy getting married. I could not miss my dear friend getting married to the love of his life. So we flew in and everybody had been there for a couple of days because we were running a little behind because now I had to go to another wedding. We got there and someone said, hey, we're going to have dinner. You should come. And I was like, yeah, I'm really tired. And I was like, no, you should come. So I go and I'm sitting there and I'm enjoying my food. Not really, but I'm enjoying the company because the food was crap <laughs> in Hawaii. So I'm sitting there and then somebody walks up to me and was like, I need your $42. It's like, who is this cat talking about they need $42? And anybody knows me knows that, yeah. I got this. I'm good. So he kept repeating, I need $42. So I looked at my boy B and I was like, what's wrong with him? And they had to explain to me after he told me that the ATM was in the lobby. Because I was like, I got my own money. I can pay for it myself. But apparently the meal could only go on one card. That's it. One card. And it happened to be his card. And I can't remember how many people were there, 13 to 16. I don't know. But it was more than, you know, enough to go on one car for you to walk around and say, I need my $42 for each person. And then for this cat to say, oh, yeah, the ATM is out there. And I was like, okay. So I got him his $42. And I was a little, little peeved because I was like, who is this cat? I know he's related to them because they, you know, they all favor over there. So um, the next day was the actual wedding. And I seen him coming down. Um, it wasn't really an owl because it was on the beach and all of our hair was getting big because it was about to rain and it stopped just in enough time for them to have their lovely wedding on the beach. And then we got on the, like this boat or little yacht or whatever for the reception. And I was just sitting in front of somebody and I was like, I just need some fresh air. So I left and I actually went outside and I was just looking at the water and here he comes. He comes out and says, hey, aren't you the one that owns those coffee houses? I'm like, what? Aren't you the one that, you know, asked for $42? Like, that's what I'm thinking in my head. Well, come to find out that we had a lot in common. We stayed out there for the whole time of the reception, from them cutting the cake to doing the first dance. I believe my boy Ed had to come and say, hey, y'all, what's going on? Because we stayed out there the whole time. Like, I thought it was a bootleg wedding because I'm like, where's the cake? Where's the first dance? I didn't realize that time had passed by. And at the end of the night, we decided that, hey, we're going to hang out the next day. But that didn't happen. Because remember, everybody got there before I did. so. That didn't happen, but everybody kept saying what a good like couple we would be, you know, that we can kind of click. But because it was my boy's um, cousin, I had to call and say, hey, what do you think about your cousin? 
And, you know, he gave me the rah, rah, rah about it. And then we talked and we're so different, but so alike. It's ridiculous. So um, I remember I was the first one to give him a call. And he was in Harris Teeters buying ice cream. He even showed me like the exact spot he was in later on, you know, when we were married. <laughs> um, but he took the phone call and we talked and we talked and he was a gentleman, like a real gentleman. <laughs> like where we find him at? Like you're special. So um, because I lived in one city and he lived in another, like I lived in Charlotte and he lived in Durham. Like we're in two separate cities. Uh, we decided to meet up in the middle and have dinner. Like every Thursday, I believe. Like every Thursday we would meet and we would sit and we talk and like the whole courting thing was like real. I couldn't believe this man. So anyway, fast forward. He asked me to marry him. And I met him in July and whatever. And the following, not that September, but the following September, he asked me to marry him. It was wonderful. And here I am like, I'm going to have to move to Durham. <laughs> the dirty D. I'm going to have to move there. I love where I live at. I can't believe I have to move. I still have my life in Charlotte. He still had his life in, Shur- in, in, in Durham. We hadn't really figured everything out. But then at one of the little um, things that we were doing at the little coffee house that I used to deal with, you know, have or whatever, we, we did this thing called the experience. And this lady showed up and she was like talking about mammograms. She was just talking about mammograms. And I could have sworn that she looked at me and was like, you're not going to get a mammogram. I know she was talking to the audience, but I felt she was talking to me. She said, none of you ladies up here are going to get a mammogram. And at that time, I was like serving up coffee and doing whatever. So before she left, I made sure I told her when she was walking out the door, I said, I'm going to go get my mammogram. And when I do get my mammogram, I'm going to call you, Jeanette Gregory. I'm going to call you. So I went and got a mammogram, guys, because I said I was going to do it. Got in there and uh, they was like, wow. You got a lot of calcifications. It's like, okay, you drink a lot of coffee? Have you had kids? You know, the normal questions. And yes, I drink a hell of a lot of coffee. And no, I haven't had kids. So um, I was like, okay. So I get a call back. So we need you to come in. And tell my honey, I need, I need to come in. But I remember we're living in two different cities. So he had to come down to Durham and we go in and I'm sitting there and they put us in like this little library, right? Like, you know, I guess people read books in here. I don't know. Had a little conference table, whatever. Um, and then I start to see people come in in their white coats that said oncology. So I caught that first. And then I see the doctor come in, the one that did the mammogram. And then, you know, in between that, I had to 
have to get a little biopsy done and, you know, things like that that happens afterwards. And uh, I'm sitting there, I'm sitting beside my fiance now. Now, this was in September when he asked me to marry him, when I was all whole and wholesome. <laughs> We're now in February. The doctor sits down and says, you have cancer. I look up, I look at him, and then she said, you didn't know you had cancer? Let me tell you, the worst thing you can say to somebody after you tell them that they have cancer is ask them the question like they didn't know they had cancer. And I must have gave the look like, I'm going to need you and everybody to go straight to. Because <laughs> the way the news was delivered was awful. So my husband asked if he could just have the room for a minute. So I'm in this room and I'm looking at it like they bring folks in this room like to deliver the news and whatever. So I'm just sitting here like in disbelief. And I'm looking at this man who I love, love. And I'm looking at the pain in his eyes the devastating pain in his eyes. So everybody comes back in and they give you the book. And, you know, I really shut down. And my husband says, you just shut down after that when we talked about it later. But I shut down because it was best for the world. Because my tears were not of sadness. They was of anger. I just met this amazing, wonderful man. In Hawaii, we just lived in two different cities and met every freaking week for dinner. He courted me. He loved me. He poured into me like, yo, I can't believe this is happening. And I am mad. And my mom always said, you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And I had nothing nice to say. So the tears were just flowing. I couldn't express myself the way I wanted to because it would have been, it would really been inappropriate. And it wasn't for them. They're the one just delivering the news, even though they delivered it like crap. They're the one delivering the news. And the crazy thing is, after you walk out that library, you know, they take you through the back way. You go straight into a parking lot, a parking like, structure. You walk out the back door. They don't even let you walk out the front door. So, hi, you got cancer now go into the dark. Like I was so upset. And we get in the car. I'm crying. From what I remember, I'm just crying. He's like, what do you want to go? What do you want to do? I want to go get my hair done. Because I had a hair appointment scheduled that day. Why not? So we go. And my sister's calling. And I don't, don't want to talk to nobody. Like, I, I don't talk to nobody, because as you can recall or remember when I first started this, I talked about I was planning a wedding, a wedding. So on top of planning a wedding, because cancer doesn't give a damn what you're doing at that moment. It doesn't care if you're planning a wedding, planning a funeral, having babies. It does not matter. 
when cancer stands up, it stands up. And so we went and I would not talk to anybody. I got in my girl's chair. And the reason I wanted to go to her, because she was the closest thing I had to my brother. And we'll talk about that later. Like she, she was like the closest thing that was related to my brother. And I just wanted to be near somebody who knew my brother Alex. So we go. She does my hair. We don't talk about it. She cries. <laughs> she cries as she's doing my hair. But she is so what I needed in that moment with my fiance at the time. I just needed that peace where she would just cry and not ask me a bunch of questions. <sighs> and my hair was flawless. <laughs> it was flawless. Um, I love my girl, Kim. So I can't recall if I told my sister or if my husband. I believe it was my husband because I couldn't say the words. I couldn't say them. Um, and I'm a private person, so it's funny that I got to, you know, I'm starting this podcasting thing. But I'm private for a reason because my mouth gets me in trouble sometimes. Sometimes I'm a little bit too brutally honest. So um, he was, my honey, was the one that was delivering the news to everyone. And now that I think about it, I think about how hard that was for him to tell multiple people that his soon-to-be wife, his fiance at the time, had breast cancer. And what does this mean to us? And I wasn't taking phone calls. I just, I wasn't. So I'm dealing. Stuff is going on. And I have to come back to some of the story because it'll just make it too long. But one of the things that that really I really remember is when they called me and told me my dress was ready. Remember, I've been told that, you know, I have this beast just looking around, looking for things to attack. And um, they was like, your dress is ready. Hey, Regina, we have your dress. It's beautiful. Would you like to come pick it up? I said, not right now. It's so, I, I, congratulations. You know, they're doing their spiel. And finally, I had to say, not right now. I don't care about that dress. And I had to think about it. Again, here's another person just calling you, delivering some news. And that's not the person you should be taking this out on. So I had to call my girl C. And I said, can you please go pick up my wedding dress? Because if I pick it up, I'm going to cut it to shreds. Because, again, I have nobody I can fuss out. I have nobody I can, like, go at. So can you pick up my dress? Mm. See, the person she is, she just went. She got my dress for me. And then because we were making all these wedding plans and we were supposed to be getting married in June, here it is February, 
got some stuff going on. We were told by someone. No, let me back up. So after we were diagnosed and I had to go meet the surgeon, he said, oh, even though we found it in your lymph nodes, you will need just a new set of tatas. And he drew me a new set of tatas on a piece of paper. That's all you need. And guys, this is my recollection of what happened. I still have the piece of paper of the tatas he drew on there. And I'm talking to him and my husband or my fiance at the time says, well, we'll probably be, might be, you know, do the surgery either at, at, you know, in Durham or Chapel Hill, depending, UNC or Duke. One of those two. We'll probably be doing surgeries there because it only makes sense. I'm going to move to, you know, Durham. I need to be able to, you know, go to treatment. Even though he said, you won't need radiation. You will not need chemo. You just need a new set of tatas. So after several phone conversations, I just felt like this doctor was not interested because I was going to move to another city, probably getting a treatment somewhere else. And then I spoke with someone on the team and they was like, I suggest you get a second opinion because you have it in your lymph nodes. Okay. And they gave me like great list of doctors in at UNC. And Duke was undergoing their new cancer center. So I decided to go to UNC because I looked at this doctor who specialized in not necessarily what I um, was diagnosed with because this breast cancer is just not stage one through four. Like, get that out of your head. There's so many, you got low grade and then 1A, it's just ridiculous. And you got her too, blah, blah, blah. Now, if you ask me exactly what I had, I was going to look to the right and see if my husband's sitting right there because um, he's the one that can spell it out to you. But I decided to meet with this doctor because she was the best. Did our homework, went there, got a second opinion. We end up having to do a mammogram again. We end up doing all this stuff and then... At UNC, they, they do this like great thing. They, you go and you, you go to one place and you see all your doctors in one place. Now, it is overwhelming. However, you're only in one room and everybody comes to you. And that also means that everybody, like the researchers, come to you. Everybody, like this person comes to you, that person comes to you. The point where I was like, if you're not a doctor, don't come back through this door. Because it was so overwhelming. So I meet this wonderful doctor. She comes in. She looks at my husband. She tells him what's going on. And remember, we were told we only needed a new set of tatas, right? But that's not what she said we needed. She said we needed this. We needed the surgery. We possibly needed chemo and we would need radiation. But chemo, we're going to talk about after the surgery. We need to go and do some other things to see what's going on. So 
I look over to my husband. He's still on my right. And to see his face. Because mm, remember, he thought I just needed a new set of tatas. So, guess what? We're still planning a wedding. We're still getting married. Life still goes on. Cancer doesn't care what you're going through. So, it's now time to kind of talk to folks and tell them what's going on. You know, I had a job down in Charlotte. He was at work. And we're still getting married. So on April 1st, after we find out all this devastating news, and I'll go in more detail later, just trying to give you the gist of where it all started. I made a phone call on April Fool's Day. I made it to my sister, and I made it to Miss Dina, one of the people who used to play at the experience. She was a gospel singer there. They used to come and jam out like every Monday at the coffee shops or whatever. So anyway, I said, look, we want to get married. And we had already gotten our, you know, our marriage license. We've been going through marriage counseling. Like we were doing the work before we were diagnosed. Um, You know, we already emptied out my house. You know, now it's two weeks before April 3rd and. I've moved into um, my husband's house because it wasn't mine because <laughs> I wasn't ready to move until June. And um, we needed to get married. We wanted to get married. And um, I made those phone calls and they said, don't worry about anything. And they was like, well, what are you what are you going to wear? That's the only thing you need to, you know, worry about. I was like, well, I'm just going to put on anything. And I was like, nah, you need to wear your dress. And I talked to my husband. He's like, yeah, you need to wear your dress. So in less than 36 hours now, April 3rd, we're about to get married. And the only thing that my husband wanted was to be married in the church, to have our um, pastor that we were going to do seek marriage marriage counseling with marriage counseling with um she'd be the one to marry us and because she was out of South Carolina she had to come to North Carolina because that's where we reside and that's where our marriage license was so um those are the only things that we wanted called everybody well they made all the phone calls I've talked to my family you know told him where to meet us, and I called my girl, Kim, and said, I need to get my hair done. Because remember, Kim is the one that was there that day. And Kim is the closest thing I have to my brother when it comes to his friends that I see on a regular. So um, that's all we did. We just said, hey, April Fool's, we get married. And, you know, they came and we drive down to Charlotte. I meet Kim at her shop. She does my hair. And because this is last minute, you know, 
We had to work on this thing. And I told my husband, go ahead and go. <laughs> we got to have some mystery. <laughs> oh, God, the fact that I got to laugh at it is ridiculous. <laughs> and then Kim, we had to jump in her prelude. And I don't know if y'all know what a prelude is, but it's like a little two, you know, door car. And I threw my wedding dress. Oh, please. Oh, I forgot something. Let me back up how I got my wedding dress. After I made the phone calls, I called my girl C and I said, hey, can y'all bring my wedding dress up? You know, I need to see if it fits. And, and, and she said, yeah, this last minute now. And she said, yeah. So she, my girl Jewel, my girl Vanessa, rode up right here, came upstairs Put my wedding dress on. <laughs> it's too big. <laughs> and we're up there and we're laughing. And my husband, I was like, you got to go outside. You know, <laughs> we need a little mystery. So he goes outside and he's working on the side of the house that I know. And I now call my my wedding dress side. He's putting these beautiful flowers down. And we'll tell you about that later. So they came, they brought my wedding dress, and then they left. Like, thank you. That's that's what your friends do. So um, during all this time, going back, we we throw my wedding dress (laughs) in the the car on the floor because it's not a lot of space. And we go over to Dina's house, Dina and Eric. They was like, you can get dressed at our house. Well, where are we getting married? Don't worry about that. You get dressed at our house. Tavares is taken care of. You get dressed at our house. Get there. Kim's there. Eric's mother's there. They let us have their house as if it was where I was supposed to be. And now I know it's exactly where I was supposed to be. Kim did my makeup. My sister came in. She did my hair piece. My girl Vanessa was there. Like, we was all getting it together, and the Eric's mom was, oh, my God, Bryce's mom had me cracking up. And it was just like, even though cancer was present, it, was, it wasn't at the forefront. And a lot of people that we called or that was contacted kind of knew but didn't know what was going on with us. Like, some people thought we were having a shotgun wedding because I was pregnant. Like, really, folks? Come on. Like, they really thought that. So they had no idea. Why was this intimate group of folks getting married? And I'm sitting here, and some of the people that couldn't be there, because it was such a short notice, like, oh, my heart, Demero, who bought my wedding dress for me. It was such short notice that he couldn't make it. But the fact that he gifted me, oh, my God, it's amazing. You know, I had friends that had to fly in from vacation and they came in or I had surgery and they came in. It's just crazy. But anyway, I digress. Let me come back. I walk outside and there's a Jag sitting outside. Jaguar sitting outside. And two of the people that used to come and jam on Monday nights and sit, I don't know if I can use their names or not, but uh, 
They showed up in their Jag. They put me in the back of their Jag. I now was going to this big, beautiful church. And the church happens to be the church that asked me if they could use the coffee shop for their pastor to have their man's group one one Sunday or one Wednesday or whatever it was. This was the pastor that was allowing us to use his church, right? It was him. So all these people that I've touched are now touching me. The music was amazing. The whole church was decorated. The reception hall was decorated. The food was amazing. It was a wedding. I couldn't ask for better. Everybody that needed to be there that were there, they were there. Everybody that called me because they couldn't make it because of the short notice, they were in my heart. And we had this wedding planned, and we didn't plan it. There's everybody who cared about us. And my husband's like, yeah, we're just going to go down there and get married. It's just going to be us and blah, blah, blah. He had no idea the love that was going to be there. And, and photographer, you know, my girl Keisha, everybody, like, I can name drop and name drop and name drop. <laughs> um, but all Everyone was there. Everyone helped out. And then they even got us a hotel room for us to spend the night. And the crazy thing is, the next day, we were going to drive back home and come back the next day because I had another doctor's appointment in a different city. So, wow. They planned our wedding. In less than 36 hours. And I remember our vows when they say until death do you part. Like, yeah, you, you really don't want to hear that, right? So we wrote on vows. The, the wedding was beautiful. Live music, the whole band, my sister dance. People congratulate us, talk, did their thing, yada, yada, yada. And I'll go back to this like later. But little did I know that we would be in the midst of the storm for such a long time. So I just wanted to start out with that because it hasn't even really, like, hit us yet, like, What's going on? But I wanted to do the chemo glow simply because I want to talk about everything and all my moments. Like my Again, my husband says you can have a moment, but you just can't live there. You got to strive through that moment, but have it because it's warranted. And chemo glow is not just about like going through chemo, having certain surgeries. Is about the effects that cancer has on everyone. Whether you're getting chemo, radiation, or, you know, a combination of all. There's so much that goes on with this. And everybody thinks you're better 
once your hair grows back. Everybody thinks it's done. I can tell you that it's not. I'm still seeing doctors, and it's been eight years. And I had quite a few ups and downs. But I had some beautiful, precious moments, too. So I hope you join me to continue this, because I know there's some stuff that I probably left out. But to continue this. Um, So welcome to my podcast, The Chemo Glow. Thanks for listening. And I think I'm going to try to deliver this to you like in 16 days, every 16 days, because I was married on April 3rd. And April 19th, I was on the table. So my husband and I had 16 days to be husband and wife before we became patient and caring. Wow. Now that's deep. 